0: Setting up systems and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com/backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. One of the main reasons why I believe that SLPs should start private practices is to create an ideal work environment that suits their interest, personality, and season of life. And this is just what Emily McCullough of Austin, Texas, has done. After working in nearly every traditional pediatric setting across a few different states even, she decided that she wanted to offer private therapy services. So she joined my beginner program, the Start Your Private Practice System, to learn exactly how to get started step-by-step. And today, you are going to hear the full story of how and why she got started. So stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice System. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life, and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. This week, I'm going to introduce you to Emily McCullough, who started a private practice to fit with her life. Now, she's only been at it for about a year, so those of you who are brand new or just starting to dream about private practice, make sure you listen to this entire episode because Emily is just a few steps ahead of you. Emily hits on a lot of really important things in this episode, but here are a few things in particular that I want you to be listening for. First off, listen to how she describes why she wanted to shift into private practice. I talk to students in the Start Your Private Practice system about this all the time, but it's really important to identify your why, your driving force for choosing private practice. Emily's why might be different than yours, but equally important. Another thing that Emily talks about is which service delivery model she and her clients prefer using. One of the best things about private practice is that you get to choose who you serve and how you serve them. Because in most settings, you don't get to choose which clinical populations you treat. A caseload is assigned to you. SLPs feel much more fulfilled when you can choose which clients to work with, which clients light you up and allow you to do your best work. Similarly, the ability to choose service delivery models that work best for your clients and for you is also very appealing. I hear nightmare stories from school SLPs who have crazy mixed groups, and as a result, are frustrated and saddened by the lack of progress that their clients are able to make. In our interview, Emily describes how rewarding it is to work with clients individually and how they're able to make much more progress because of these individualized and personalized services. As you listen to this episode, I want you to think about parallels between Emily's life and your own. Like I said, she's only about a year into this and has created a new job for herself that she loves and which you can do too. So let's meet Emily. All right. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice?
1: Yes. My name is Emily McCullough and my pronouns are she, her, and I live in Austin, Texas. And the name of my practice is Parade Pediatric Speech Therapy. Perfect.
0: So you and I have been friends online for a little while, right? And you've been a member of Start Your Private Practice.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: I've enjoyed getting to know you. And I'm really excited to have our podcast audience get to know you. Um, I know that you're in about the first year of your private practice. And so I'm excited to tell people, you know, what that's like, you know, going from startup mode to starting to think about how to maybe, maybe grow this thing a little bit. But before we learn more about your private practice, could you tell us a little bit about, you know, becoming an SLP?
1: Yes. So SLP is my second career. I majored in Spanish in college. And so right after college, I started doing some medical interpreting. I got a job at a health department and started Interpreting for patients, um, vaccines, just kind of different things in the health department. And then I got a job at a hospital and interpreted for the hospital. And I was actually able to go to some births and interpret for births, which was really interesting. Um, And so from there, my career kind of evolved into case management. So I did some case management for Medicaid patients and also at an early head start center. So I was a family services coordinator, which really meant um, just helping families get the services that they needed. And one of those services was actually speech therapy. Mm-hmm. so I remember very vividly a speech therapist coming into the daycare where I was working and they she did the PLS of course I didn't know what it was at that point but I'm like oh there's this purple bear and the kid is playing and this is cool and and I remember um, you know being the person that would actually refer the kids out for the specialists and I kept thinking and you know, I was like man you know it would be really cool for me to be the specialist that they refer to you know as the next step in my career Well, ironically, or not so ironically, my sister is a speech therapist. So shout out to my sister. Um, And I, of course, I had no idea what she did. You know, I was like, oh, you're a speech therapist. Great, great. You see kids. And that's kind of the extent of what I knew. And so as a lot of us, that will resonate as we explain a lot what we do. So I remember calling her and I'm like, you know, I'm doing this interpreting thing and I'm really worth loving working with kids and being in the daycare and, and working with families. And is there, you know, what do you do? And I saw this speech therapist and maybe that, maybe I could be that kind of specialist because, you know, interpreting is communication. So you're really having to You know, look at the, the nonverbals when you're interpreting, you're having to online, you know, translate and interpret what they're saying and get that message across and also have that cultural, you know, humility and learning process of what is going on in this interaction. And so it just, to me, it just, you know, once I figured out what speech therapists do and what it all encompasses, it was like, Oh, this, this is interesting. That seems to meld. And there was a need, you know, there's a need for bilingual speech therapists, uh, especially in Spanish. And so I was like, okay, well, this is, this is, um, Let's, 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 do this. And so <laughs> GRE happened, had to do some math review. Um, and, you know, I was considered an older student where, you know, I took, I guess it was about eight years from my bachelor's to getting the master's. So I uh, really had to go back into school mode and, and figure that out. Um, and I applied to UT Austin, which had a bilingual speech therapy program. And I applied to some other ones around the country, but I ended up getting into UT. I came here to Austin and I was just like, wow, this is the place. I came in April, so it was not hot and it was like the perfect temperature. And I'm like, this feels great. This is awesome. I love this. And I just love the vibe of the town. And, you know, I hadn't heard back from the other schools and I think I was waitlisted at one and I was like, let's do it. You know, UT Austin is it. I want to move to Texas. And yeah, here I am.
0: Well, I love that. And I really love how you shared your journey. And as you were going through talking about, you know, communicating with families and then, you know, being part of that referral uh, process, I was like, wow, I can really see how that led you in the direction of becoming an SLP. Very cool. And I also like what you said about like, you know, being a bilingual SLP and that we need more bilingual SLPs. And so I think that's also very cool. So, okay. So you go to UT Austin. And you're in grad school or you graduate. What was like your CF and early career now that you are your second career, I suppose, um, Mm -hmm. as an SLP like? Uh,
1: So getting out of school, I had an internship at the Children's Hospital here in Austin. And that's what I wanted to do. And I was like, I hope I can get this this job. And so I did get my CF there and it was amazing. It was really hard. It was a really hard setting to just kind of go into, I remember thinking, I'm still learning how to do just basic artic therapy. Not that artic is basic. It can be really hard, but just getting a kid to kind of, you know, focus during that 30 minutes and do the articulation. But then like the next appointment, it would be kind of a severe case, you know, and it was kind of like that. And so as a CF, you know, learning all of that at once, um, just with so many, I mean, we, we all do that. I guess that's really like that in any setting because we're all, we're just any, you know, anything and everything type of thing when you get out of school. Um, but I was lucky to have some great mentors at the hospital. And so that was really, really awesome. And then from there, I, um, I found out that I wasn't really that into feeding and that was one of the areas of the hospital that was really needed Um, And so I decided to kind of see what else was out there. And so then I transitioned uh, to a contract position in the schools that needed bilingual therapists. And I stayed in the schools for a few years, moved around quite a bit, met my wife here in Austin. Actually, while I was writing my thesis in grad school, I was like, oh, it's time to start dating. I don't know why. Um, But anyway, did. And we met. And then I had the hospital position. And then went to the schools and then we ended up moving to Colorado and then and then to Atlanta before we made our way back to Austin. so I've been in different states um, I've done early intervention, I've done elementary schools, middle schools, outpatient clinics as well and so the and most recently I've been doing outpatient and also teletherapy privately as well. It's been my most recent setting so I've pretty much done all the settings in the pediatric world. <laughs> so you obviously had to add
0: private practice to your, your guilt, yeah. right? Yeah. It's time. Yeah. It's time. It's time. So, so when did you start to think about, you know what? I actually want to, I want to start doing some private therapy.
1: Well, it's really not been that long. Cause it's so funny. Cause I never even envisioned having my own practice. Um, it's just, I just was used to working for other people and working in different, these different settings and, In the past, I'd say like two years, maybe, um, I've been doing some private work through another contract and I really just fell in love with teletherapy. And that was actually before COVID. And so this was like a few years ago when I was like, you know, I had a longer commute and I was thinking, you know, I know teletherapy is a thing. We have some kids that have long commutes into the clinic and, you know, I kind of worked with the the owner. I said, you know, is there some way we can maybe think about teletherapy? And so we did. And I just fell in love with it. I just love, I found that I really like working from home. I really like connecting with kids in their homes and, you know, the parents or caregivers are, are nearby and we, that's really great for carryover. Um, the families love it. They're all about, you know, we don't have to travel and sit in the waiting room and, you know, all that kind of thing. So it just was such a great thing to discover. I know SLPs have been doing teletherapy for a very long time, but it wasn't something that was really in my world, um, until, I don't know, just a few years ago before COVID. And now with COVID, you know, the transition into all teletherapy, um, for me has been easier just because I was doing it before, but I, you know, I decided to still contract with that place, but also start my own. Company as well, teletherapy
0: company, because I was just I just love it so much, and that's something that I see a lot like in various Facebook groups, right? People will say things like, What's the best teletherapy company to work for, or you know how much does so and so pay or whatever and so whenever people ask you know what's the best teletherapy company to work for, I always say, yours, right yeah, yeah, and so <laughs> so tell tell the listeners who might be thinking about starting their own private practice. With, you know, just doing, or I don't mean to say just doing therapy, teletherapy, but you Mm -hmm. know, with, with teletherapy as your main service, what has that been like for you specifically?
1: You know, it's been less daunting, honestly, because I, and I hear you say this too, in the group or in different things, you know, it's like private practice, you know, the old school way or what, what I used to think of was like the brick and mortar you know, you have to hire, you're the owner, and you have all these therapists. And I just never saw myself doing that. It just wasn't something that I, I don't know, I just didn't see that in my path. But then when teletherapy came, the flexibility that it offered, and also the low overhead, you know, because I'm not renting a space, I'm home. And also, you know, just getting started, it didn't seem as daunting. You know, of course, with your program, it was like, okay, I have this checklist of things to do. And again, that made it feel a lot less daunting as well. And I have that support, which I've really appreciated. But, you know, since I was doing the teletherapy privately anyway, on the side and still, you know, contracting, and then now doing my own, it's just not that big of a a stretch because it's really just getting the EMR, you know, that I needed just little things like that was like, Oh, what EMR do I get? But once I decided it was like, okay, I got this EMR, it does everything. That's great. Um, and getting the legal stuff, you know, ducks, ducks in a row for that, you know, like you say, but you know, you had a great checklist for that. And that was, that felt a lot less daunting. So it really was just deciding to do it was really the biggest, um, hurdle, which Again, I know you say as well, like just start. But it's easy to say, you know, you're sitting around thinking, well, I should, I don't know. And and I had your emails, and I had the information, and for months and months and months, I'm like, well, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll do, you know. And finally, I just said, let's do this. You know, let's just try it. And who knows? Like, you know, let's just see what happens. And so far, it's just been really cool, really cool to do. And just not again, not as. You know, you build it up in your mind of like, oh, it's, you know, this, all this stuff I have to do. And, you know, but really it's just doing things one, one step at a time, you know, you get there. So,
0: well, and I think you're absolutely right. The, the, you know, just keep moving forward. Right. And that you can really design a private practice that works for you. Like your personality, and also you know your season of life, right? Some people, you know, who either I don't know, have have busy lives, have kids at home, have whatever. Like you can either stay small then, or grow bigger, or but it's like choose your own adventure, right? You can do whatever it is that you want to do, but you you know none of this is going to happen unless you decide to do it and then do the steps to make it happen. So I also really like that you said that you had started doing telepractice like before COVID, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that you know there were like a you know I don't know what percentage of SLPs let's say were doing teletherapy before, but obviously now it's you know like a hundred percent of SLPs have had to to switch mm-hmm. to that model. Once this is kind of you know air quotes over. Do you think that you will continue with exclusively telepractice, or do you think that you might also do in-person visits, or what do you think that that might look like for you?
1: I think that I will probably stay teletherapy. I thought about maybe getting a little office space, you know, close to my house uh, type of thing, but... I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I've seen so much success with the teletherapy. And, you know, I'm also licensed in Illinois, which I forgot to say, but I can see kids uh, in Texas or Illinois. So really expanding out the geographic area that I can see kids. I love the parent coaching, the caregiver coaching. I love, I just love connecting with kids this way. You know, it's, it's really, it's convenient. It's effective. You know, it's just it's it seems to be a really good fit for a lot of kids and a lot of families. And it's a really great fit for me, too. So, you know, the jury's out on that. I I don't know. I, I really am just going to have to see how everything evolves. And then if I'm, you know, really feeling like, man, it would be great to get into an office or, you know, um, connect that way with with people in my local community, then that could definitely be a possibility down the line. Keep your options open. Right? Yeah, that's the thing you know, you can kind of do what you want. You can, you know, like you said, kind of make your way and make those decisions and, and readjust, you know, see where you are in a few months and then, okay, what's the plan. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the challenge of it is that it's always evolving, but it's, it's the beauty of it because you have that control to kind of make those decisions uh, that's going to really going to fit
0: your life and your practice. So a hundred percent. My next question is, who are your favorite kinds of clients and or families to work with?
1: Well, I created Parade. So because I'm a queer SLP and I'm from a rural town in the South, I have been used to hiding for most of my life. And so that also included my career. And we're talking about, you know, I'm not going to, I guess, give, give my age, but before, you know, things were You know, before gay marriage, you know, way before all of that, um, it was a different climate, especially in the rural South. So, you know, I think I created Parade to really create a safe space for myself, but also for kids and families that are LGBTQ plus affirming or allies or are looking for a diverse therapist for their child. Um, that's really going to be inclusive and think about the materials that they're using, think about uh, really creating that affirming space for kids. Uh, And I named it Parade to celebrate who we are. So I really love connecting with kids and families, you know, that are looking for that type of, that type of therapist. And as far as, you know, patients or kids that I treat, I love doing articulation therapy. I got really good at the R sound, which is kind of specific, but I don't know. I just have gotten a ton of referrals for R and I just, I love R now. I just, I love it. I mean, it's just interesting. So I love the R sound. I love our tick. I I do have specialization in autism as well. And of course the bilingual uh, difference versus disorder. So evaluating to see whether or not a bilingual child who speaks Spanish and English has a language disorder or speech disorder, or whether it's a language difference, which is kind of the first thing we look at and then being able to treat in in both or either language is another specialization.
0: I love all of those things that you just said, right? I think it is certainly important for people to, you know, have safe spaces for therapy. And I also think it's important for professionals to either be in safe spaces or in some cases create their own, right? I'm also a queer SLP and it's really that was one of the reasons why I was also interested in private practice because I started my private practice when I was in my like early twenties, and um my first uh Emily and I were messaging about this before we recorded, but my, you know my first couple of clients I wasn't out to, and I remember feeling like a little bit weird about that, right? Because like it wasn't with one client in particular, like I was getting married like to my wife. Um, and I needed to take some, a break for my honeymoon and I hadn't like told them that I was gay or getting married or anything. And so it was a really awkward (laughs) conversation, let's just say, because I made it awkward to be honest. But, you know, I think that it's, it's really important to lead with your values and lead with, you know, whoever you are and whatever else so that everyone knows, right. It's your business and people can either, you know, sign up for your business or not. Right. Right. But I think it's really important for there to be more diversity in the field and also for there to be more diverse options for our patients. So thank you for being out there, um, pun intended, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and having a, a business and a company that supports um, LGBTQ plus people, especially in states like Texas
1: thank you for all of that and i agree and i just love that i'm able to create my own website you know that has my bio with my wife on it that was just such an awesome feeling to put all of that on there and also to have on my you know front page just a very affirming statement for lgbtq plus affirming anti racism you know, just a really affirming statement that, you know, I welcome everybody into my practice and, and I'm working continually to be affirming of kids and families that are are coming to my practice. And the other thing that I dreamt about before I did this practice uh, was to partner or to be a member of the LGBT Chamber of Commerce here in Austin. And I was like, oh, once I have my own business, then I can sign up to be a member as my own business and start to network with other queer people in, the, in Texas and in Austin. Um, in the business community. And so I did sign up for the Austin LGBT Chamber of Commerce. And then I ended up also joining the Houston LGBT Chamber of Commerce too, because I can see kids anywhere in Texas. And um, I just thought it would be great to network both here in Austin and in Houston. And then Dallas is on the horizon. They also have their, I think it's North Texas um, but it's just been such a great opportunity for me to network with other queer people in Texas and to get the word out about my business and also about speech therapy and what we do and, and educate on that uh, front as well.
0: Yeah, because just to take it back to the beginning of the interview, just like you weren't really sure what SLPs did, right, and had to ask your mm-hmm. sister the SLP. Right? Yeah, there are still <laughs> plenty of people who have no idea what we do. And they may have family members or even themselves, you know, have concerns about communication, speech, et cetera, that could really benefit from just, you know, knowing an SLP through the chamber of commerce or whatever. Those are great opportunities really for, like you said, for networking, but also getting the word out about our profession and well, how helpful we are.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I definitely can see You know, people. I say speech therapy, and they're like, "Oh, you know, I had speech therapy as a kid." Or, you know, I can see them making those connections, but then they don't really know again what the extent of what we do. So, it's been a great opportunity for me to, like you said, now be the one telling other people what what we do. And so, and it's it's cool because, you know, people are just like, "Wow, that's so cool that you work with kids." And you know, it's just I don't know. I just feel very energized talking about what I do because I do love helping kids. And I do love, I really love helping kids and teens communicate who they authentically are, because that's really the goal um, of mine is to be authentic in my work, you know, bring my whole self to work and be my full self. And that's what I want to support kids and teens um, and their families to do is to communicate really authentically in a way that really highlights that child and respects that child's uniqueness, but also helps them be able to communicate that uniqueness and that, that amazingness that is them to other people effectively.
0: Yeah. And I think that we are in such a unique position, you know, because the kind of therapy we do involves a lot of talking, right? Yes. That we, we like to talk. <laughs> we like to talk, right. And sometimes, sometimes our clients like to talk, sometimes they, they don't, but you know, that's, we are in a, in a unique position. I feel like to you know, to become, you know, uh, trusted people in, you know, people's, you know, lives and whatnot, which I think is really um, important and is, is kind of cool about our profession, right? Yeah. My next question for you is what, do you, what does the future look like for you in terms of your practice? I know I had asked about, you know, telepractice versus in-person or whatever, but, you know, as you're kind of thinking about the next year or couple of years, what do you see? What is your vision?
1: Well, I really, you know, continuing to learn about marketing. um, That's a huge one. So email marketing, I just started kind of dipping my toe into that and um, just general marketing, getting the word out about my practice and my skills. And so continuing that process and, you know, building up my caseload of clients and, um yeah really that's that's the main goals is and continuing to connect with other people uh, you know we, t- I talked about the chambers of commerce but also on Instagram you know which I was really before I I did my business I wasn't a big Instagram user or even Facebook user but I was like oh I'm going to make a you know a profile for my business and it's just been so amazing to see all the advocacy that's going on 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 Instagram um you know just the awareness campaigns and all of that and so you know connecting with other SLPs that are, you know, raising that awareness for different, for marginalized communities. That's a passion of mine. So connecting and also being a, you know, having a platform where I can also advocate.
0: Well, and I think that that's important too, like as part of this, like choose your own adventure of your private practice, right? You can go in different directions, right? There's obviously like direct service, But there's also advocacy and there's, you know, you know, for our clients, for marginalized communities, for our profession as a whole, you know, whatever. But it's like, that's the kind of stuff that you have space and time and energy to do when you're in control of like your life and your business. Right. So that's just another thing to kind of think about. You know, I've had other guests on the show, for example, Sandy Dorsey, who has a nonprofit smiles for speech. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she has a very successful private practice in Manhattan, but she also has this, you know, also successful nonprofit, right. That raises awareness. So it's nice to be able to have a business that also supports, you know, your values and your mission, whatever that is for you listeners.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. It's there's so much freedom in that. And the ability to, you know, think about what your values are and what you really believe in and then, you know, making that part of your business, if that's something
0: that you're interested in, you have that freedom to do that. So, well, I want you to keep going, right? Like I want you to keep, you know, being a voice for those who need it in terms of clients, in terms of, you know, our profession, various communities, where can people learn more about you? If people want to connect with you on your website, Instagram, et cetera, where can they find you?
1: So the website is parade speech.com and my Instagram is at parade underscore speech. And yeah, those are the main two, probably the best ways to, to find me.
0: Perfect. Well, please listeners reach out to Emily, tell her that you were listening to the episode and what your takeaways were. And Emily, I can't wait to see you, you know, uh, continue to just again, t- to grow in the way that feels good for you and that is what you want to do, you know in in your private practice and in your life. But thank you for coming on the show and for sharing your story. Like I said, I'm just excited to watch what the future holds for you.
1: yeah, well, it's been an honor. Thank you so much uh, for inviting me on. and um, I'm also excited to. To see what what's in store, and I've appreciated all the support uh, through the program, and I'm looking forward to, you know, more support and just more growth, and it's it's all been so great. So
0: thank you so much. So how much do you love Emily? I love how she created a practice to serve a community that she cares about and is a part of, and how she's utilizing a service delivery model that works for her and her life. Now. As we mentioned throughout the episode, Emily got her start in the Start Your Private Practice system. And very soon, the doors for enrollment are going to be reopening. So let's make sure that you are on the waitlist. Head over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist and sign up to get notified. We only do a few big enrollments every year And it'll be a great time, especially for folks who want to get their ducks in a row and start seeing pediatric clients over the summer and beyond. Now, when we do these big enrollments, we have a big cohort join all at once, which it's great to be working through the comprehensive videos, checklists, and asking beginner-level questions all at one time. Emily mentioned that following the checklists Really helped her. So if you're the kind of SLP who loves checklists, this program is perfect for you. We say that this program is not a do it yourself program, it's a done with support program. Myself, a team of established private practitioners who serve as mentors, and even a billing and insurance advisor are available to answer your questions as they come up. And the best part about it? You have lifetime access and you can go through the content as many times as needed and get access to new content as it's added completely free. We do cool things like social media marketing challenges to help you build your private practice caseload quickly so that you can recoup your investment with one client and the rest is gravy. Again, enrollment will be opening soon, but just for a few days. So let's make sure you're on the wait list over at startyourprivatepractice.com backslash wait list. I cannot wait to help you start your private practice. I decided to invest in the Start Your Private Practice program because I honestly had no idea where to start. (laughs) And I just didn't really have the confidence or the know-how to be able to do that. So it was really nice to have a system that was all set up for me. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. It was all there for me. And I was able to land a client within about the first week and a half of me going public with my private practice.
1: So now I have 12 clients. It is such an invigorating and amazing experience.
0: If you want help to start your speech therapy private practice, then head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist so that you will be notified as soon as we reopen the doors to the Start Your Private Practice system. Again, that's startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist. I cannot wait to help you start your private practice.